1: Welcome to episode 104 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Oh, you do. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Paula Fritchman, Irene, Kim Vaines,
2: Julia Lynch,
1: KC Chiefs PIA,
2: Remy Howes,
1: Anne Cush, Chateau Padier,
2: Lena Kilburn,
1: Jacob Gilbert,
2: Natalie Spice, Jordan, Hazel Fletcher.
1: Vincent Casamento,
2: Jennifer Hinton,
1: Brandy Hennegar
2: Allison Scott,
1: Emily Jeezy,
2: Lisa Bennett, Jess, Annette Wright,
1: Dawn Flaherty,
2: Tony Dixon,
1: Sarah Cree,
2: Tracy Lane,
1: Bree Taylor Barker,
2: Karen Makeda Hadley.
1: Thank you so much for your Patreon pledges. I apologize if we said any of your names wrong. This week was there 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 were some tricky ones in there this week so if we did get it wrong don't don't attack us we did practice beforehand and i'm sorry and our film review this week our film review is dog soldiers dog soldiers was released in 2002 it has 6.8 out of 10 on imdb and 78 percent on rotten tomatoes would you like a synopsis i surely would During a routine nighttime training mission in the Scottish Highlands, a small squad of British soldiers expected to rendezvous with a special ops unit instead find a bloody massacre with a sole survivor. The savage attackers of the special ops team return and the men are rescued by Megan, a zoologist who identifies what hunts them as werewolves. Without transport or communications, the group is forced to retreat to a farmhouse to wait for the full moon to disappear at dawn. What were your thoughts on this film? Oh, do you know what? I'm going to stop because I can't even call it a film. This this masterpiece, this piece of art. Be very careful where you tread with this one. What were your thoughts?
2: I liked it. I thought it was a good film. It's still a good film. It doesn't age as badly as I thought it might.
1: Which is the problem with older horror films, isn't yeah. it? Because even things like jokes are often culturally insensitive or now inappropriate and, and things. I need you kind of think, oh, God, is this going to be still the film that I loved all those years ago? And let me tell you, it is. <laughs> it is. So the the film has been digitally remastered and it's been re-released. So a lot of cinemas are releasing it at the moment. Um, digitally remastered, I think, is a loose term.
2: Yeah, that... <laughs> This is the only problem I had with the film and it's got nothing to do with the film. It's got problems to do with the remaster. So I don't feel like I should talk about it. So I'll save it until after we've, I don't know, talked about the film a bit. But the film is, itself is really good. I think it does action and horror really well for the time and for the budget. Yes, the werewolves look a bit ridiculous, but they're also kind of scary looking.
1: But this film is also very tongue in cheek, I think. I think it's aware of its own ridiculousness. like, And it's... It's genuinely funny, like it's an entertaining horror film. It's sad, it's glorious. You find yourself just rooting for those main characters so much and hating the antagonist so much for a myriad of reasons. uh, This is my favourite film, potentially, aside from Moulin Rouge, ever made. I just love it so much. It's incredible it gets twenty stars for me. Like I just love it.
2: I'm gonna say it's good, but it's not that good. <laughs> okay, I, you need to you need to
1: get yourself together. When I showed you Moulin Rouge as well, you were like, "Oh, there's a lot of singing." Okay, so you need to put 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 yourself back in your box because this film is incredible.
2: Yeah, and I'd say the same about Moulin Rouge as well.
1: <laughs> I just hit myself in the face with my microphone because I'm so I'm so animated about this film. No, I do understand, right? So this film has a very very significant relevance to me when I was a young teenager, I was really sick regularly with tonsillitis um, and then I got hospitalised with tonsillitis and glandular fever, which isn't very dramatic, but it did mean I was off school for a very long time and I watched Dog Soldiers on repeat, as you saw the other night. I can quote quite a lot of it. I had to do that thing where I went, okay, sorry, I'll stop now.
2: You surely can. I won't. I
1: won't do any more quotes because Dan was like, "Uh this was amusing the first time. It's not amusing anymore. It's a great film.
2: I think there's two categories of films no there's there's more than two categories of films but when you're talking about good films there's great films and then there's cult films and this is a cult film and it's it does all that cult stuff really well
1: what is that i don't know what that like there's a cult, cult it's
2: like a cult classic isn't it it's not particularly a good film but loads of people love it you know it's not like it's not going to win an oscar is it so it's not a great film
1: i mean it should win an oscar let's be fair <laughs> for what for everything okay. should have an oscar for all of the oscar <laughs> all of the oscar nominations to go to dog soldiers <laughs> I get it. I do get what you're saying. When I posted this on Instagram and on the Facebook group, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to have to do a lot of defending of this film." But everybody loved it. No,
2: because it does. It's not complicated. Like that's that's what it's it's a good, it does what it's trying to do really well. You've and got that, good
1: guys and bad guys. Yeah,
2: and there's there's a fight. There's nothing wrong with that. And we've all got movies that we love that are potentially not amazing. Like the Transformers an- animated movie is not an amazing movie, but I love it, and I will say it's a great movie. But it's because it's got that linked to me that makes it sound really emotional it's because I grew up watching it and I love it
1: Dan cries every time he sees Optimus Prime it's really <laughs> awkward
2: because I know he's going to die spoiler um, but yeah it's it's a great I can't fault it because it's, it's a great cult movie and it's got so many good little bits about it it's funny it's got the right action it's got an idiot as an antagonist who you hate which is always good
1: oh yeah and you know he's the antagonist from the very first from the very beginning you hate him from the beginning because he does this awful thing it's just it's a really good film and it's one of those films where when we were watching it we were trying to decide which character we would be if we were locked down in a cottage in the middle of nowhere fighting werewolves and you everybody else wants to be spoon right spoon is a character he's a soldier he's a private in the army he's really fiery he's loud he's opinionated he's a fighter everybody wants to be spoon and when i say the scene in the kitchen is incredible people who've seen the film will know what i'm talking about if you haven't seen the film go and watch it even if it's just for the scene in the kitchen but I wouldn't be spoon because I would be that private who vomits every time things get too much <laughs> that would be me
2: yeah I feel like I'd probably be the same to be honest uh, it does that's the that's the slight thing that irks me and I did say this to you all the way through I'm not sure this that guy that particular guy would have got through basic training yeah there is one of the <laughs> one
1: of the guys in the squad is very skittish and very frightened of everything very nervy and vomits when, when things get too much, which would be me. Yep. Um, I would want to be the tough one, but I wouldn't be. And yeah, it is, it is questionable as to whether or not in real life he would get through basic training. I don't know.
2: Just before we do the scores, a little note on the remaster. It's not a very good remaster. Some scenes look really good a lot of the opening chunk of the film looks like it. They've actually demastered it into 1980s. <laughs> Some
1: of it is. Some of it's terrible. <laughs> but I guess they did their best, right? Yeah.
2: Well, you'd, you'd hope so. Um, But please just give us a Blu-ray release. Thank you.
1: So what do you give this film out of five?
2: I think... Because I feel like I've got a metaphorical gun to my head, I'm going to give it a five.
1: No, don't. Do- I, I appreciate that not everybody loves this film as much as I do. Okay,
2: that's a solid four for me. I, it's a good. I think fit, that's yeah. fair.
1: I think that's fair because it's not. It's not going to blow your mind with special effects or good werewolves because they're horrendous werewolves. But it's it's a cult classic for a reason, and for me, for nostalgia reasons, it's obviously a five.
2: I love bad action movies, and it's it's, it's a good action movie. So.
1: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: Which brings us to our story this week. Now, some may ask, did I choose this story just so we could watch Dog Soldiers? Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did 100%. (laughs) I did not think, however, that this story was going to be as interesting as it turned out to be. So, Dan... What do you know about the Michigan Dogman?
2: I know nothing about the Michigan Dogman. I know about the Michigan Wolverines, but I do not know about the Michigan Dogman.
1: Can you give any sort of guess as to what you think the Michigan Dogman might be?
2: be? (laughs) I'd imagine it's some kind of werewolf, like some kind of lycanthrope.
1: Absolutely not. It's actually a frog creature, much like the Loveland frog people. (laughs) So the Michigan Dogman is exactly what it says on, on the tin but I did, just didn't think it would be as interesting as it ended up being so are you ready?
2: never ready in
1: 1987 the song The Legend hit the airwaves written by radio DJ Steve Cook the legend tells the story of a cryptid that is far more prolific than Bigfoot and that has terrorised the wild, dark woods of Michigan for decades. The story begins in 1887, with a group of unnamed loggers who found what they believed to be a wild dog, and being in the mood for mischief, they chased the dog through the woods. During the chase, the dog scrambled into a hollowed-out log and hid from the advancing men, One of the men spurred on by the raucous masculinity of the chase grabbed a long stick and began prodding the poor creature trapped in the hollow log. From within came a howl that grew in power and volume and seemed to take on a distinctly human quality. The men backed away from the log and the dog emerged. It crawled out stood on two legs and howled in anguish. The loggers, frightened by what they had witnessed, packed up and left, and vowed never to return to the deep north Michigan woods. And so the legend grew, from stories of a farmer found dead slumped over his plough with dog tracks all around him, or of the resident crazy old woman dreaming of dogs that walked like men and howled at the moon. A band of men were found to have died of fright, surrounded by dog tracks. And every ten years, on the seventh year, more tales emerged of this hellhound stalking the backwoods of Michigan. Reports of claw marks on church doors and scratching at windows and the dogman standing, staring through the glass with a cold, frozen grin. After the release of Cook's folk song, the dogman, which had previously been confined to local lore, suddenly went mainstream. But what many people don't realise is that the song The Legend was a hoax. Stephen Cook had completely made it up, and the Dogman legends that came with it. The truth was that Cook loved folklore, and he wanted to write a folk song, but he had never actually heard of anything even remotely like the Dogman, Stalking the Woods of Michigan, and had actually borrowed the encounters in the song from other famous cryptid encounters. Cook thought nothing more of it. That was until the calls started rolling in, Call after call of people who had heard Cook's song and had a story of a sighting of their own that they needed to get off their chest. It was 2008 and all the leaves had changed and fallen from the trees. Celeste Brady was living in Dowagiac Jack in Cass County. Cass County is Michigan's far southwest corner and it may seem like an unlikely spot for a large creature sighting. But Dowajak is a small town surrounded by rivers and small lakes, with a Native American burial ground just five miles or so to the southwest. Celeste described the landscape near her sightings as very rural, very vacant. The town's name, Dowajak, is from a Potawatomi phrase that means foraging ground. An indication of plentiful food sources. Celeste's home was secluded, and she was travelling home late one evening. She turned the car to drive into her garage, and her headlights passed over the unmistakable eyes of a creature. She stopped the already slowing car and froze. The eyes were at a level with the headlights but her stomach dropped as the eyes rose to stand about seven feet tall. The creature watched her and she slowly locked the doors of the car and checked the windows without ever taking her eyes off it. Eventually, the creature dropped low again and took off. Celeste drove the car into the garage and waited for the door to close behind her and was finally able to get out. The creature was tall and black and had what she could only describe as a wolf's head. That night Celeste Brady decided to put her house up for sale and leave the area because this was not the first time she had seen or heard the creature. For years Celeste had grown used to hearing strange noises in the wilderness The wild darkness of the Michigan woods seemed to amplify nocturnal noises, but there was one that she would periodically hear that always made the hairs on the back of her neck stand on end because this noise had a distinctly human quality. The only way she could describe the noise was a screaming, like the hysterical wailing of a baby moving around in the darkness. Celeste had lived in the sticks for a long time and she knew the sounds of the various creatures that prowled in the night no matter how strange they might seem but this was different this made her feel unsafe and made her hair stand on end in 2001 Celeste had been in her living room with her stepdaughter again it was autumn and the leaves had died as the winter rolled in Something out of the French doors caught Celeste's eye. She looked towards the hill behind her house, and there, crawling up the hill, was a creature unlike anything she had ever seen. She grabbed her stepdaughter's arm and motioned for her to look. They watched as a huge black creature, as big as a bear, was making its way up the hill. She knew enough about animals to see that the creature was stalking It was hunkered low, haunches pronounced as it slowly and methodically made its way over the ridge But it was the head that alarmed Celeste and her stepdaughter because the head seemed to be that of a wolf-like creature and it was something that they had never seen before but Celeste would see again When she saw the creature again in 2008, Celeste decided that this was the final straw. She could no longer feel safe in this secluded space, with what she described as a werewolf. Linda Godfrey has spent many years collecting cryptid sightings for her blog. Godfrey was working for the now-defunct newspaper in Wisconsin in 1991 and wrote what she thought was a throwaway piece about the Beast of Bray Road, a legendary canine cryptid. The response to Godfrey's article, Like Cook's Song, was so overwhelming that she started to keep a running tab of all of the canine cryptid sightings that were reported to her. This turned into a blog, and then turned into several books. She reports the sightings that wing their way into her inbox, The following account was sent directly to Linda and is recounted in the man's own words and highlights the disturbing chance that he has had not one, but frequent interactions with dogmen. It was summertime, my childhood, and I had a great group of friends, very normal, everyday kids, and we played war a lot with each other. Normally about six of us played together through the day, with kids rotating back home for chores etc. This particular Saturday we decided to play war behind the Alto Elementary School in the Woods and Creek area. Anyways, I was trying to get into the woods ahead of the other kids before they showed up to have the advantage. We were using squirt guns and water balloons. It was around 10am. As soon as I ran into the woods, which I knew very well... I felt uneasy, like I was being watched, and not by a friend either. This feeling lingered and got stronger and stronger, like whatever was watching me was moving closer. In this small area of woods, there was a creek behind me that ran the stretch of the woods. There was also a railroad track. I was crouched in the tall grass facing the playground when I heard a splash and very fast movement running behind me. I jumped because I was startled at the height and suddenness of the shadow that flashed behind me. When I whipped around I saw a large black wolf-like creature that was running down the creek bed bank behind me. It was shifting from four to two legs and jumped after about three seconds into the brush away from me and into the trees. It seemed to have disappeared, and I didn't hear it anymore. I was a country kid. I had no comprehension other than fear for what I saw at that moment. I ran home, which wasn't far, it was about a quarter of a mile, but I didn't tell anybody what I saw. I was afraid of being teased or made fun of about it by other people. When I ran into my house and got to my bedroom, it had only been a few minutes, but I remember thinking that it resembled the werewolves in the Howling movie that I had seen a few years before that. It was, I'd guess, around seven or eight foot tall, and muscular, probably at least 300 pounds. Its head resembled a timber wolf with long canines, It had long, clawed hands. Its legs bent backwards like a canine. It glanced back at me. It didn't want me to see it. Its face was not feral or ferocious. Its eyes were blue. Its presence was powerful and overwhelming. I didn't go out of my own yard for several days, which my neighbourhood friends thought was odd. I had childhood asthma though, so they assumed that was my issue when they didn't see me much. I used that excuse when my family wondered why I was home so much. I never told a soul what I saw for fear of not being believed. I stayed close to my friends when we played, but I didn't go close to that creek stretch of woods for about three or four years, and I never went alone again. Being an eleven-year-old kid then, I remember thinking about it quite a bit over the summer. But the fear of not being believed kept me from telling my friends and family what happened. I was glad that middle school was coming that fall. I remember my concern that I was going to see this creature elsewhere that we played in the Alto area, but I didn't. Over the next few years, I rationalised myself that I didn't know really what I saw. And the wolf-like creature image in my memory was better left there. Fast forward to 2009. I was 33 years old. My profession at this time was a personal fitness trainer and recreational bodybuilding was my lifestyle. We resided in a quaint house about a mile north of Lowell in Michigan. It had a very pretty, welcoming, woodsy area behind our house and we all enjoyed walking the trails in the woods as well. It was winter time and there was a blizzard of snow outside. All of my family were sound asleep. At about 1am, we woke up to a large thud on the roof of our home. We lay in the dark listening to what sounded like someone moving around on the roof. There was a lot of scraping noises, and a slow, deliberate walking sound. This went on for about a minute, My girlfriend, our children and myself were genuinely spooked by what was happening on the roof. We couldn't understand it. I recall vividly that all of us were utterly silent. By this point huddled in the hallway looking intently at each other and up at the ceiling. And all of the loud creaking, scraping noises coming from the roof. I don't own any guns but I certainly felt it was a good idea to grab a machete that was in the closet. That was when I realised that the dread feeling in my stomach was the exact same feeling I had years ago with the wolf-like creature from my youth. As I struggled with this realisation, I quietly as possible crept up to the backslider door machete in hand. I had genuine fear, for my girlfriend and for my children, but I kept it to myself. They were still huddled and scared, watching me sneak outside. It was snowing hard, big flakes outside and it was eerily quiet. I was crouched in my pyjamas along the backside of the house. I was holding my breath, looking up at the roof, listening. Slowly the clawed hands and timber wolf face with piercing blue eyes peered over the roof down at me. It was the same creature that I had seen in my youth. We stared at each other blankly for a few seconds. There felt like there was some weird sense of recognition. I was physically frozen and shocked because the creature was only eight feet or so from me on the roof of my home. It suddenly leaped off the roof into our backyard. It landed on all fours and then ran on two legs back into the tree line in what seemed like a blur. It was standing there, at the tree line, looking at me. The contrast of the snow and its size and fur made it so easy to spot. I stood still, while this wolf creature and myself stared each other down. In those moments my adrenaline was pumping. My fear of this creature turned to anger for it disturbing my life and scaring my family. I made a decision as my anger grew. A reckless one. I yelled a really loud angry noise and charged machete in hand directly at it. It took me around 15 seconds to run the distance the creature had in 2 seconds. It didn't budge. It didn't move a muscle. It just stood there watching me run at it. It almost appeared mildly amused. As I got within about 30 feet, in my head, loudly, I hear, ''Don't!'' It was a deep, loud voice, and I swear the sheer volume of the voice stopped me dead in my tracks. I was instantly calm, confused, and still afraid of the creature. My fear of it was different. Its presence was still so overwhelming. I had this thought in the moment that this creature was intelligent. I dropped the machete in a physical plea, a gesture not to be harmed. I backed away in slow, deliberate steps, backwards, still facing it. If this thing chose to be violent, it could easily kill me. After a few seconds, it turned and walked calmly, about 30 feet into the woods. Its presence faded and it felt like it was never there. I went back to my home, looking over my shoulder the whole time. I was so bewildered. It was a very vivid, surreal feeling. My reality had been spun like a top. I went back inside, but I kept looking out the slider towards the woods. I announced, ''It's gone, girls!'' My girlfriend and our daughters walked into the dining room area from the hallway, asking questions in quiet voices. I hugged our daughters, told them it was late. It was just an animal that had been on the roof and it ran off. My girlfriend and I whispered about what happened. She revealed that she had seen it a month or so before, and then it clicked. About a month ago, she had called me while I was running errands in the early evening. She sounded upset and scared. I was at a store only a mile away from our home, so I was home in about three minutes. When I got to the house, she told me that the neighbour's Rottweiler had given her a fright and that she had overreacted. Now, on this snowy evening, she admitted that she had lied. She had seen the same creature, but she was too frightened to say anything. We didn't sleep that night. The most bizarre thing about this story is that it isn't unusual. In fact, there is story after story about this mystery canine. Manny demonstrating that the creature is intelligent, Manny saying it has piercing blue eyes and a face that is somehow both wolf-like and human. So while the Dogman is a proud native of Michigan, versions of him still exist all over the US. When Steve Cook was asked for his current thoughts on the phenomenon, he said, The morning guy who originally asked for the bit back in 1987 that led me to write the song, told me years ago that this thing is going to live a lot longer than either he or I will. It's going to be around for generations, longer than anyone who remembers even that it was a song. It's a unique creature. It's not just a variation of Bigfoot. It's not a Jersey Devil. It's not some ghost. It's the Michigan Dogman. And people love to have their own homegrown folklore.
2: disagree with him on the last point
1: I do have some theories in a second to go through
2: no not 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 anything to do with the story itself but I disagree with him in, in saying it's not a Bigfoot it's not a jersey it is exactly that it is exactly that thing it's just got a location base to it like it's not it's exactly like the Jersey Devil. It's just a different animal. It's oh, yeah, the same kind of law.
1: I think that's what he means, yeah, yeah. is that he's not just going, oh, we've also seen the Jersey Devil. Yeah, it's yeah. a new creation, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Especially for Michigan. But what I don't think they did expect, like he said...
2: <laughs> didn't expect people to corroborate his made-up song. Right? Is what he didn't expect. So he said, it was. It, they
1: basically, it was like an April Fool's <laughs> joke that they did yeah. for the radio station. And then he said that from the time that he released it until the... So I read an interview with him in the Huffington Post... And he said he had received hundreds of emails from people saying, oh my God, I can't believe you've seen it too. I've seen it. I'm so glad somebody's seen it. And he was like, oh shit, <laughs> this is not what I expected. And the same thing happened with Linda Godfrey, who wrote that newspaper article and mm. then suddenly was inundated with people going, I've seen it too. I've seen this. I mean, she was writing based on a local legend and local sightings. She didn't make it up yeah, yeah. like Steve Cook did. <laughs> But I guess he made it up, not with any bad intentions.
2: No, not at all. Because if I think uh, it's one thing to make it up with bad intentions to try try and hoodwink people, but, or scare people, or, or whatever. scare people. But if you're doing it as an April Fool's joke, I don't think you can really lay the blame at his door. It was no. he was always going to reveal that it was made up, wasn't he? Because that's the nature of a <laughs> the nature of a joke. The and if you an want April's to, joke.
1: if you want to hear the song, it is called "The Legend." And I'll play it at the end of the episode. So the the, the the outro music will be this particular song, The Legend. And it's, I mean, it's a great song. Like it is a campfire dream of a song. It's brilliant. So I've got some theories for you. Okay, good. Theory number one. It is all a hoax. Spurred on by the popularity of Cook's song, The Legend.
2: I don't think it's a hoax. I think probably the people that wrote in generally believe what they saw. It may be a load of similar stories that are not actually all the same thing, just being, well, it's a confirmation bias, isn't it? Hearing this song and thinking, oh, that fits. My story can be fit into that model and then them sending their stories in. But I don't think you can say it's a hoax because I don't think all those people are writing in just for their five minutes of fame.
1: And I don't know if it's fair to say that Stephen Cook's song itself is a hoax.
2: No, because was, he wasn't, the was,
1: intention behind it was to write a folk song. I think that what's come out of it is this idea that on the seventh year, every 10 years, Dogman appears. Because in his song, he dates everything as, it's like 1897, 1907.
2: You know what I mean? So Yeah, but he's right. Yeah, and you're right. He's writing a story, isn't he? Yeah. Like, that's what he's, he's writing a story. And it's a good creative narrative tool to do something like that. And yeah, you're right. You can't lay the blame for him creating a hoax because it's not, that's not what, that wasn't ever his intention. He wrote a fictional song.
1: Which does tie into theory number two. Okay. Which was, while Cook's song was admittedly made up, it granted people a reference point for something that they had genuinely witnessed.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's more likely. It's not where I'm going, but it's more likely.
1: Interesting. Okay. So, we're settled on that, yes, obviously Stephen Cook's song was made up, but that. Cannot mean that the entirety of Michigan dogman stories are hoaxes.
2: No, I don't. I don't think that's fair because that's that's saying that there's hundreds and hundreds of people in on the hoax. Doesn't seem, doesn't seem any value to that.
1: Theory number three: this is a case of misidentification. People are seeing big dogs or bears and assuming that these creatures are cryptids.
2: It's plausible. I do think it's a case of misidentification, but I don't think it's any of those things.
1: Oh, where are we going with this then? I'll talk I about wonder... it when you've
2: got your theories. But yeah, it could, it, that's, that's a plausible explanation as well. I think when you're panicked and it's dark and you're in the woods or it's in the woods full stop and you don't really know what you're seeing, it's very hard to be 100% sure of what it is. And if you have been a bit spooked by it because it's an unnaturally large dog, or it's a bear that you don't see in the wild very often where you live. It's just not impossible to then fix that to something that you've heard and go, oh, that's why I that felt man. Yeah. spooked. That's why it felt unnatural. That's why I felt like I was being watched.
1: And interestingly, there are, you know, like bears get mange, which is awful. Yep. And does make them look kind of unrecognizable. Yeah, as it really bears. does.
2: It really does. I've seen pictures of bears with mange, and it's um, you could see. Oh, it's scary. You can, yeah, you can see why you'd be freaked out by it. Yeah. And sometimes, unfortunately, you see bears with mange in bad zoos. Not so much trap. anymore, but.
1: Yeah, it used to be used to be a thing, didn't it? When zoos mm. weren't really held to account for how yeah. they treat their animals. Number four. Which is my favorite. Skinwalkers. Yep,
2: that's what we're in down.
1: Cook. <laughs> spoke extensively and genuinely to native elders in the area who told him that the dog men are there but what we call dog men are actually skinwalkers
2: yeah that's what i've ever written down now i was surprised (laughs) at this
1: because i thought that cook was going to be I've, i've linked the interview in that he did in the huffington post in the description for this episode he did speak to native elders and I think it was spurred on by the fact that he had gotten so many reports and he was like, oh my, this was a joke. I didn't, you know, I didn't mean for this to happen. And the native elder said, no, no, they're, they're, they're they're skinwalkers. That's one of the theories.
2: I mean, that is the, that's the truth. That's, I mean, that is the conclusion I've come to. I've analysed the evidence that we've heard today. Okay. And my scientific response to that is that it's skinwalkers and particularly led to that assumption by that final story which i'm sure you'll probably end up telling me is completely fabricated at the end of this because that's what you do when i get excited about something <laughs> i'm going to
1: tell you now that none of this is well as in
2: you don't know it's i fa- don't know yeah. it's fabricated okay, so i fine. don't have a big twist for so you. there's not a big reveal where no. you tell me that that's no, okay. no big reveal okay that's good yeah so the last story with that man the unnamed man i think it yes. was right he his was the story that made me think mm, i wonder because we've heard similar skinwalker t- uh, the stories before
1: with them running around on the roof
2: and stalking yes and watching and being there observing and weird running patterns
1: and understanding that the skinwalker isn't fully animal but isn't fully mm. human that recognition
2: and the te- that i have not heard any and again this is it's law so it's and having read the book *Ravid*, i kind of see where the law comes from um but i've not heard any werewolf tales that have talks about telepathy whereas that feels much more like a shamanish thing
1: yeah and i thought it was an interesting one to include that he heard mm. almost like it was te- telepathic but there were other stories with the same thing so i would highly recommend that you go and look at linda godfrey's blog she has all of these short um people uh people's experiences emails that people have sent her and there are, a lot of them are, are weirdly similar. And I don't mean like similarly written where you think, oh, Linda, you've obviously written that story yourself. No, no. I mean, the, the like traits of mm. this particular dogman seem to be weirdly similar. And I have one more theory for you.
2: Just before you move on. Yes. Celeste's story kind of backs up as well. Because it's that, again, it's just that being around your car, stalking eyes, standing up to be an unnatural height. It's just very. It's very Skimwalker-esque. It's it's similar to the stories that we've heard, and actually, maybe this is just that tribe's version of the Skimwalker. Do you know what I mean? Like this, the the slight differences. Maybe that's the reason why.
1: And this woman specifically said, "This this Celeste Brady." She said, "This is the reason I moved." Like, the, and and I didn't add that in dramatic effect. You know, some elements of the story I kind of. I peppered them in with some poetic license. But that bit where she said, Mm. you know, that evening I put my house on sale, like she wrote that herself. And she was like, I live in the country. I know what animals are around me. This wasn't a natural animal. So, my last theory for you it is actually an uncategorized species of canine, either a prehistoric wolf, similar to an Amarok, or a dog coyote hybrid. So an Amarok, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, is a prehistoric giant wolf, basically that roamed the plains of America.
2: I'm a bit torn about this because everything within me is singing to say that's nonsense. However, if I inexplicably back that as nonsense, that kind of makes Bigfoot false because <laughs> it would be the same basis, wouldn't it? It's this idea that this species just ex- this this very different species just survives without people seeing it.
1: I mean there are people who think that bigfoot is some big you know time traveling alien yeah. so you
2: know yeah i don't know i don't know much about michigan to be fair so this next statement might not be i just don't think it's i don't think the wilderness is the wilderness is as vast as it was
1: i mean it isn't because you know people have more capacity to be mm. able to get around the wilderness nowadays and
2: i guess that's where you get the infringement so i guess like that's the whole thing with the wolves and Yellowstone and stuff like that is because there's You know, the territory gets smaller, they start to go into different places, different built up areas because they have no choice. They have no choice. So naturally, that would say if you if you're impinging on the territory of a prehistoric giant wolf, you're probably likely to see it more than you would when it has when its usual range was within that wooded area, which means that there's still hope that there might be peach dragon might be out there.
1: I'm pretty sure we've clarified now that it is. It's out there. It's out there somewhere. (laughs) I really thought when I started this episode, and I was thinking, is it really a good idea to do an episode just so I can watch Dog Soldiers? And it turns out that it was. And it's a really interesting story.
2: Can I ask you a question before we move on? How long did you actually contemplate that? Because I can imagine you going, is it a really good idea? Yes. Oh, I I'd dog- say it <laughs> probably was about <laughs> 20 seconds of contemplation. Well, it's longer than I thought you'd. Well, because some people don't like cryptid stories, do they? You know, so I was like, oh,
1: you know, do I just do this story so I can watch Dog Soldiers for the 400th time? Yes, and- I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. That's exactly what I That's do. what I thought the conversation yeah. would be like,
2: just like that. <laughs> the
1: other interesting thing about these sightings is that in more than one story, I saw people referencing the howler as in the, the 80s bam, mm. vampire, the 80s werewolf film, as a point of reference for what this thing looks like. So that's another interesting thing to think about because, you know, are people making that point of reference because it's ingrained in their brain from yes. seeing that film many years ago and it's influenced their memory of what they actually saw? Who knows?
2: We're of a time where we've got so many cultural reference points where we can... The things that we don't know, we can find a description or a name that's similar to it. If you think back in sort of like pilgrim times in America, like the reference points are few and far between, which is why we look at stuff now where they're like, "Oh, and it was a giant evil beast," and and then we go, "Oh, that's very clearly something that we know now because science has proved it, because we've seen it, because we've got photographic evidence or whatever." Yeah. But we're now we've now gone to the reverse. Where there's so many cultural reference points that actually we maybe that's not where our mind goes straight away, so we're more likely to jump to something extreme when actually it could just be something very simple.
1: Hey, remember when we did the episode about Australia, and they realized that there were there in um Aboriginal people lore they had like creatures, but they also had these mass events like a mass flooding in mm. their lore, and then they realized scientists realized modern scientists that shit those stories actually happened. In real life, they're not just a part Mm. of lore or legend. They are real world events that happened. So I don't know. I don't know. It's not... Do I think there's loads of big stalkery wolf things running around? I don't know. But am I fascinated by the fact that there are so many stories about them? Absolutely, yes.
2: I think we've... I say we. I'm I'm pretty much just talking about me. But we've settled on the fact that skinwalkers are real...
1: Yeah, because I'm too frightened of them. Like they are, they, They're the one thing that really terrifies me, aside from aliens.
2: And therefore, this can this can fit into that category as far yeah. as I can. So, so, that that was the conclusion I'd made from my own notes, which include a picture of a wolf face and a flying eagle dragon thing.
1: I mean, I really should start posting pictures of the notes <laughs> that you take. I really need to start doing that. So we're falling on um, Michigan Dogman is an absolute yes
2: yeah but as uh, a skim misclassified
1: interesting i don't know if you are a michigan resident can you please message me your experiences your extensive experiences of dog man or dog men or dog soldiers in your area that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a dating thing doesn't it? it does do you want to meet dog men in your area <laughs> that's a weird dating site And if you want to hear the the song, The Legend, just wait until the end of this episode and the song will be there for you. And if you enjoyed this week's episode... You can go to our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com to find out all the information that you could possibly need to know about us, the links to all of our social medias. You can find the link to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Stories, where for $5 a month, you get access to lots of extra content. And also for $2 a month, you get access to 50p Movie Club, which is...
2: A podcast that I used to do with Will and I now do with Dave where we get a movie from the 50p section of CEX. We watch it and it's normally quite bad and then we talk about it.
1: If you want to send us your spooky story, the email address is real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week.
0: Bye. A cool summer morning in early June it began, at a nameless logging camp in Wexford County, where the Manistee River ran. Eleven lumberjacks near the Garland Swamp found an animal they thought was a dog. In a playful mood, they chased it around, till it ran inside a hollow log. A logger named Johnson grabbed him a stick and poked around inside. Then the thing let out an unearthly scream and came out. upright.